Are you ready to take your real estate investing business to the next level? Well, you're in the right place. This is the Real Estate Investing Morning Show. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. With your mentors, Wayne and Gabby. Good morning and welcome to the Real Estate Investing Morning Show. Today is Monday, November the 28th, 2022. The weather today will be a high of minus 11 degrees in Edmonton, minus 6 degrees in Saskatoon, and 5 degrees in Toronto. With much chillier feels like temperatures in the prairies. Is there? Yeah, oh, feels good. like minus 20 today here. Does it? <laughs> Guten Morgen, everyone. We're broadcasting live as we do every morning, Monday through Friday at 6 a.m. Mountain Time on the Podbean app. Come join the live show. You can get involved in the chat like everybody else is this morning, seeing everybody coming in, saying good morning. You can also click the call-in button and ask any questions you want about real estate investing for free, free coaching every morning. Zero excuses. Get to it. Get to it. Come on now. Pitter patter. <laughs> Yeah, a special guest today uh, coming on in a couple minutes here. Going to talk about uh, those trigger points we were talking about on Friday. Yeah, Mister Mister Kirkwood. <laughs> Keaton Kirkwood's going to be coming on in a couple minutes here. Once we uh, get through a couple things, um, yeah, it was a good discussion. And to be completely honest with you, not something that's not 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 my expertise. So. Um, figure I'd bring someone on who who can speak for it. Um, a topic that, frankly, you know, as I was saying on Friday, it's not something anyone really ever thought about in the last well, ten or fifteen years. Wasn't super relevant, <laughs> unless of course you were like dealing with higher interest mortgages, right? Well, we'll see what Keaton has to say about it, or some I don't <laughs> know, different structured mortgages. But yeah, we'll definitely for sure. Um, upcoming events. We don't have any. Zero events, yeah. Except our exclusive to our REI Masters Building Your Roadmap workshop in December. I don't know when it is. December 10th. <laughs> 10th. Good, good December 10th, yeah. Set in the calendar. <laughs> building Your Real Estate Investing Roadmap. Uh, it's a workshop on December 10th ex- ex- exclusively for the REI Masters Mentorship, mentorship Program. Um, so if you guys are interested in being involved in that and getting involved in more free workshops like that, um, join masters. Mm-hmm. We do free workshops every month. This is going to be a good one, though. What in the hell is that noise? <laughs> this podcast is bullshit. <laughs> is it possible to have one podcast that's not disrupted? Just one. Our dogs are playing what sounds like a plastic water bottle upstairs and just like scraping it across the floor. But apparently it's being taken care of. Goodness gracious. When I told Everly to take Dutton upstairs because he wasn't like calming down, he was crazy. Um, I don't think she understood that I meant like go up there. And be with them. She just dropped him upstairs and came back down. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Sheila is wanting to call in. Uh, nope. Sheila's finger, finger slipped. <laughs> Goodness. Uh, what else we got going on here? Yeah, Gabby? we know that you guys can't hear the ruckus, but it's very distracting to us. <laughs> oh, they probably don't hear it because I edited a lot of the stuff out afterwards. Well, they're saying they can't hear it right now. Oh, no? Yeah. Okay. Well, it's super annoying. <laughs> um. Wow, what a great, great for, start to for, the day. No, the great great start to the day is Kyle's question. Oh. Has anyone bought a murder house? Yeah. I saw that. First question <laughs> of Monday morning. <laughs> um, I'm looking forward to seeing if anyone answers. Um, uh, no, I, I haven't. I certainly haven't. Not that I'm aware of. <laughs> well, that's true. Um, Have we ever asked? It's not something we ask. Yeah, I think you have to ask. Do you have to ask? 
That was my understanding. Well, I don't know. Maybe it's different if like there is actual like murder and not just like people dying. Well, people die. Yeah. And like, you, I know that you don't need to disclose that. Like you'd have to, you'd have to have the, your realtor or, or you'd have to ask whatever the seller and they would have to disclose it if they were aware that something had happened. But um, I wonder if it's like murder, if it needs to like actually be disclosed, like maybe in the realtor notes or something. Hmm. I don't know. Don says, uh, my friends bought a mobile home that was many years ago. They didn't know until I saw it and knew who owned it before. Oh, fun. Well, a big good morning to Don and Matt and Scotty and, and John and, and Leo and Amanda and Kyle and El Ray and Kirsten and Crispy and Nathan. <laughs> Ryan's here as well. Kathleen's here. Eric, good morning. Good morning, Diane, Sean, Taylor. Lots of people in this morning. Good morning, Daryl. And Daryl's here as well. Yes. Okay, cool. Um, I don't think there's much else to really kind of touch on. Got to the weather. There's no public upcoming events. We could do a meetup. I, you know what? I was thinking about it and I think that we should. <clears throat> I know that, that I'm supposed to be the one being like, but we're supposed to take December off, honey. But well, they're fun. No. I want to take December off. <laughs> um, we have limited options. We have this weekend and we have the 17th. Yeah. So it's kind of limited. And, and when you think about it that way, I'm like, nah, never mind. It's a weekday. Still, school nights? Yeah. Nobody shows up to them. I don't know. If you guys want to meet up, holler Let at us. us. No. <laughs> um, maybe a Friday other... night meetup. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Anyways, um, let's get uh, Keaton on here. Um, Keaton, feel free to click that call in button and I'll and I'll connect you. Um, cross our fingers for good audio. Boop boop. I think Keaton has called in before and had good audio. I think so too. Hello, hello, hello. Ooh, very quiet. Very quiet. I can talk about this loud any louder than I risk waking a newborn. I don't think it's you. I think it's the connection. Is this going to work, Wayne? Let me turn off Wi-Fi. <clears throat> yeah, that's... Uh, Podbean, I hope you're listening. I, I've been off and on the, the, the tech support with those bums for yeah. like six months. Sorry, guys. It's it, it's a downside of doing a live show. Like I'd love, like we have all this great audio equipment and most of our guests have great audio equipment. And, uh, you know, it's, it doesn't even, yeah. doesn't even apply um, because of just this, this platform, which just sucks. And uh, yeah, there's so many little, little, stupid things I'm dealing with trying to make this show decent on a live pl platform. But I think that the live, I, I, I've always believed and, and, you know, it, I've always believed that as long as there's good content, it doesn't, the quality doesn't, doesn't matter. Um, goodness. Uh, why don't we go back to um, the comments here while we're waiting for um, Keaton. Um, we're talking about a murder in a mobile home. I want to know what Space Matt is talking about. Um, Space Matt, she was stabbed in the kitchen and died on the way to the hospital. And Stabber was let off, was cleared for murder charges, though. Um, did he have a comment before that, or did he just come right out of, the, out, of the, out of the gates with, she was stabbed? Um, maybe there was a previous comment. Uh, Matt says, my folks live there and my mom is telling me the place is haunted. I'm like, oh, she says. <laughs> We're great. great Storytellers. If it was a murder house. Go super. Okay. Um, a, l a little bit of grammatical stuff going on there. I can't quite read and put, put all... Put everything, all the pieces together, but 
I had to tell her it was a murder house. Good news. Ghost is super chill. Um, okay. Matt. <laughs> so your parents live in an in a murder house. Yes. <clears throat> and you knew that and didn't tell them. That's what I'm gathering here, yeah. That's what I'm gathering. Live in your murder house. Okay, oh, Matt. Oh, you bought a murder house. You and... bought a murder house and now your parents live in it? <laughs> Why would you do that to your parents? <laughs> Matt says, I knew realtors don't have to tell. Okay. <laughs> Does anyone have any questions this morning? <laughs> Yeah, this is... keep this keep this show rolling while uh, we wait for Keaton. Actually, I, I do have some stuff uh, uh, saved from previous episodes. Uh, Matt found out from the neighbors about the. Uh... Do you want to go deal with those dogs? Okay. And I'll work on <laughs> getting the show back on track. I'm 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 about ten seconds from pulling the plug on this thing. <laughs> I don't know why there are so many dog toys scraping across the floor right now. Oh, <clears throat> why don't we talk about a question that uh, Ryan had. Uh, Ryan, I apologize. We kind of sort of answered this question, but uh, but I kept it here anyways, just in case. Um, and it's an interesting question, actually, um, because something I'd never really thought much about. Um, he asked, uh, after selling a staged flip, um, what about the nail holes, the nail holes that are left behind? Um, do you have to go and, you know, do touch-ups and like fill all the nail holes and then do touch-up paint for the next buyer? Or do you just leave them? That's a really good point. I've we've never, never, we've never been in one of our flips after the staging has been removed. <laughs> full transparency. Like we um, never go back. Yeah. But. If I may say, I have read um, staging contracts, and I know that um, it states in there that um, they may use small, um, like the little picture hanging nails, so like they're teeny tiny. Yeah. They You can't tell that they've left a mark or anything like that, um, along with like that 3M stuff. So they'll, if they do use anything to, to hang it that leaves a hole, it's just like those teeny tiny little ones. Right. So, I mean... Yeah, you don't need to touch those up. And it's not like they're hanging like a million things all over the place. It's like maybe a total of five pictures throughout the house, right? So, mm, I don't know. Like, I guess we, like the mirrors and stuff too. The yeah. mirrors. And there's actually quite a bit. I mean, there's there's probably more hanging in some of our stage flips than there are hanging in our own house. Like it's, 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 okay. it's done really well. And also... Um, uh, even just like, you know, thinking about above the, the bed and one of our flips, they got like that, I don't, know, I don't think yeah. it was a dream catcher, but it was like a, a ribbon thing or something or other, you know? Yeah, sure. I, I can't recall exactly what it is, but I know there's something <laughs> hanging above that bed. So, you know, even pinning, you know, putting pinholes into, uh, into that feature wall as well. Keaton asks if we can rain check this for tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and and worst case scenario, um, if we can't make it work, then um, I don't necessarily have anything planned for Thursday live training, so we mm -hmm. can always do it on Thursday live training as well if it's easier. Nice. Um, so apologies. Uh, yeah, well, that's Keaton. That's what I was just saying when you were restarting, buddy. Is that um, uh, you got all this audio equipment, I've got all this audio equipment, but unfortunately none of it's compatible when you're doing a live show on this platform. This platform's, um, well, it's, it's bullshit. <laughs> it has its pros and cons. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, uh, I, I like the live, live platform. I think it's more authentic. I think it's great that people can join in. They can ask questions and stuff like that. It's better than Facebook. Right. Well, could you imagine just me and you talking for an hour and not having these questions and 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 people chatting with us? We wouldn't have made it five no, days. We would have quit. Yeah, you guys are the um, the life support. Yeah. For this podcast, without you, we wouldn't exist. Tear. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, uh, he says two seconds. I have one last idea. Okay. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Like an, only the um, only the host can actually be on the computer. Everyone else has to call in. Um, the, the, yeah, that is what it is. Um, okay. Well, I don't know. Like, do I want to get into something else or do I want to wait two seconds? It's a pretty <laughs> long two seconds. Um, how about a quick little uh, commercial break? Yeah. Some of you might've heard us talking about DCI properties and how much we like their process and deal flow as one of the premier wholesaling companies in Canada. But one of the things most people don't know about DCI properties is that they don't cherry pick deals for themselves. Everything they get under contract, they offer out to their buyers list. That's right. No sloppy seconds from no DCI. No sloppy seconds. So if you're an investor looking for their next flip project or cash flowing rental property, get on their buyers list today and check out their inventory. To get on the list for Alberta deals, visit www.dciproperties.ca slash Alberta buyers or for Ontario deals, go to www.dciproperties.ca slash buyers. And we are back. Hola. And Keaton's not. Okay. Do we have any quick questions in that little vault of yours? Yeah, we do. Okay. Yeah, we do. And so and just I'm just gonna go. Them. I'm just gonna go for it. And then oh, hang on. See, <laughs> the, the second we say it, no, he's gone. <clears throat> Let's give this a shot. Hey, can you guys hear me? Oh, oh, echoey. Echo. Two seconds. Let me see if I can fix that. Yeah, loud and clear though. I'm trying to make this work. I have a microphone hooked up to one phone and my wife's phone so I can get audio. But we're getting feedback from our conversation and your conversation. Through the two and, phones. Sorry, we're, it's echo. Damn it. Can you mute one of them? Yeah, he just needs to turn his audio down. How about this? Testing, testing. Can there's a little bit of echo in the background. Yeah, there's echo. Absolutely no audio settings. It is not fun. <laughs> test, test. Yeah, there's I'm too much echo in the back. Like across the room from the. <laughs> you, you, you know what? I, I I bet you there's probably like some sort of like an interface that you can plug into your phone and have a microphone all set up and and everything. I'm I'm sure there's a setup for it, but is it worth it just to be a guest no. on our show? No. <laughs> I'm I'm not hearing an echo How right now. That's better. Yeah. Let's give it a shot. There there is echo in the background, but, but as long as everybody else can handle it. That any better? Testing, testing. We're yep. good. Can We're you good, hear brother. Us? Cool. Uh, trigger points. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get my headspace in not figuring out my wife's iPhone and how to hook up a random mic to one phone. <laughs> let's talk about trigger points. Um, now, do you guys have specific questions on it or do you want to jump right into it? You know what? So here's here's what happened. Um, last week, someone said, hey, uh, fixed variable rate and trigger point reached mortgage no longer covering interest. So interest would be back would be added back to principal. What do you do? Do you increase mortgage payment? Do you pay lump sum or and uh, we kind of had a bit of a discussion about it on Friday. And I mean, like I was saying earlier, like it's not something that a whole lot of people have been thinking about because honestly, we haven't had this much of an interest rate rise like well in my lifetime to my knowledge trigger points have never kicked in before because the last time we saw rates rise like this was in the 80s and these types of products didn't exist yeah so my i, I think the first thing to understand is there's two things there's trigger points and trigger rates now a trigger rate is the interest rate where you cross a threshold where your payment no longer covers 100% of the interest owed. So in other words, you're owing more every month than you're paying. 
the right. trigger point is different and varies from lender to lender. But as an example with TD, it is when you exceed 80%. So when you exceed the original mortgage amount, so the debt creeps up until it crosses what you owe day one, or it exceeds 80% of the value of the property at the time as deemed by TD. So it's different with every lender. Um, but it's just important to know those differences. There's, there's some lenders like Coast Capital and BC. The moment your payment doesn't cover your interest, they re-amortize you. And they instantly bump you back up to being on track. So every lender is a little different and it varies. <clears throat> but my best advice to people in general, particularly investors, is to make interest-only payments on your rentals. And if you have a primary residence, you should pay that down faster. So I would suggest increasing your payments to make sure you cover all the interest owed. But if you have other non-tax deductible debt, you're almost always better off to make payments on that principle. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so what you're saying is that, obviously we have two different um, topics, like you said, but one about the your payment no longer covering the interest. And obviously the other one is that if you're, uh, your balance, sorry, your mortgage balance exceeds what the original amount was or 80% or whatever. Um, so every lender has their own rules about what they force you to do or if they force you to do anything. Yes, every lender deals with it differently. And then there's a secondary piece is what does the lender do at your renewal date? Mm. So one thing to be aware of is that if you fall behind on your amortization, it is going to get dealt with when your renewal comes up. Um, the, the scary thing is the solution to falling behind on your amortization will be to refinance. But in 2023, there's something called Basel 3 coming out. Basel 2 was the stress test. So the way that rental calculations with banks work is very likely to change in the new year. And nobody really knows exactly what's going to happen. So it's an interesting one. Hmm. Okay. All right. Well, shit. <laughs> it's it's not a bad thing. There's always opportunity and change, right? I think the biggest thing is you just have to be aware. Last thing you want to be doing is say a burr and completely oblivious to this. And you're like, oh, I'm going to refine August and knowing that there's a rule change in between. Okay. Okay. That's and that's good information for anyone who's, you know, trying to set up their plan, you know, for what they're doing next. I mean, well, I mean, this is an obvious statement, but talk to your mortgage broker. <laughs> you know, that that should be part of your plan as well, right? You should always be talking about your mortgage broker, what your plans are and what you intend on doing in the near future so that's, you know, they can because there's there's like there's roadmaps for your investment portfolio, but there's also roadmaps for your mortgages as well, right? No, for sure. Hopefully this is a little better for everybody audio-wise. Yep. Um, I have my sound watch just yelling. Did you have specific questions about the trigger rates or trigger points? Uh, sorry, I'm just I'm trying to maintain audio as well. I'm going to turn my audio down because, or up or you're too low, so I'm going to turn mine down. Hopefully that helps everybody. Let me know, guys, if it's uh, not working out. Um, yeah, I guess just people were just really confused. I mean, someone had asked, um, do you know which banks, um, where was it? Which lenders are extending amortizations? Well, it's important to know that if you have a fixed payment variable product or variable rate mortgage, your amortization is extended the moment you rates go up and your payments don't increase. Okay. Cause you essentially go to infinite amortization when you hit interest only. Interesting. Yeah, because I was I was contacted by a lender that basically said, hey, you know, do you want to change your payments? And I'm like, no, nah, not really. <laughs> and, and they're like, well, uh, Mr. Hillier, um, if you don't extend your payments or you don't increase your payments or make a lump sum, it's going to take you 47 years to pay off this mortgage. And I'm like, yeah, that's OK. And they're like, but Mr. Hillier, you're, no, you know, how sure. old are you I right now? One of the things that investors <laughs> need to be aware of is that a lot of the banks are proactively calling and kind of hustling people to increase their payments. Yeah. Most of the time you don't have to. So my advice would be if the bank calls you and says, hey, John, you're, you're falling behind in your amortization. First thing you should do is ask for the 
trigger point trigger rate policy in writing emailed to you. And then you can send it to myself or Wayne or whoever, and someone will help you dig through it. But some lenders will penalize you for not continuing to pay off the debt. Others won't. And it's important to know which you're with. Interesting. Interesting. And I mean, this is, this is actually all kind of a little, you know, it's all a little much. I'll be completely honest. Like there's a lot to consider here, uh, lots of different things. And I guess just really what, like what you're saying is you just need to contact your lenders and figure out what's going on, what you're obligated to, what's actually happening. And if you've got lots of mortgages, then, you know, you got to be in the know. You can't just be ignorant, right? Well, the big thing you have to be prepared for is let's say that you fall behind and you don't pay three and a half years of principal because you essentially make interest only payments. Yeah. When you renew, not only are you going to renew to the current market rates, which are significantly higher, yeah, but they're also going to take your amortization, which let's just say should be 25 years remaining, but you're actually on track for 35 and they're going to recalculate your payments, not only for the higher interest rate, but to get you back on track for the 25 year amortization. Ooh. The only way to avoid that would be requalifying and getting a new 30 year amortization. Hmm. Requalifying is the key there. And um, sorry, what specifically? Like, what's 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 the key? Like, I don't really understand the well, requalifying. Thing. So, if you've got a portfolio of let's say four investment properties, and your mortgages have doubled on all of them, plus mm -hmm. everybody's lost thirty five percent of their borrowing power, you want to have started solving this requalifying problem twelve to eighteen months in advance, not twenty seven days before your renewal, because two inch challenges. We may need to restructure things. To ensure that you actually do qualify on that new application? Yes. Okay, gotcha. One of the biggest challenges we're facing is investors, let's just say Johnny Investor qualified, bought four rental properties and has primary residence. Everything's in a variable rate mortgage. Everybody in Canada has lost about 30% of their borrowing power over the last seven months. Mm -hmm. But an investor who has multiple variable or adjustable rate mortgages has also been impacted by payment increases across the board on their portfolio. So we've seen probably about 50% of sophisticated real estate investors no longer qualify at all. Just wiped out overnight. So really? There's ways around it, but it requires a lot of planning. Interesting. Interesting. Um, so that's obviously just with, you know, investors that we're talking about right now. What, um, <laughs> which is a small fraction of, you know, of the mortgages that are, you know, in Canada, is this going to have a much bigger effect on homeowners? Uh, potentially, I, I think investors ultimately it's a business, and as long as it financially makes sense, they'll continue forward. Um, the qualifying impact is smaller on homeowners. The larger your portfolio is, think if you've got five mortgages for two and a half million dollars, and your payments double. Is going to impact you a lot more than someone who's got a single mortgage for four hundred thousand. Um, mm -hmm. But there is a silver lining, Wayne. The suspense is killing me. Are we still here? <laughs> <laughs> so as interest rates rise, okay. <laughs> a someone who owns a home to live in, they feel every dollar of that interest cre interest rate increase. So if interest rates go from 2% to 6% and their payments double, they, they feel all of that. Whereas for an investor, the debt is tax deductible. So right. if you're at, say, a 33% tax bracket, a 6% interest rate effectively costs you the same as a 4% interest rate. So surprisingly, investors are actually a little more insulated from rising rates because they're impacted a little bit less. Interesting. Uh, actually, you know what? That's a very good point. It, it, like in a, in a in a you know looking down on it, it is a little yeah that does make a lot more sense. I, I guess I was just more <laughs> nice pause by the way. Um, <laughs> I was more so thinking about um, like how is this going to affect um, defaults or so because like I, I feel like investors will find a way. You know what I mean? Like if it if it comes to be an issue and you know they can't requalify then they'll just be like okay the, the the lender or your broker is just going to be like you know what you're just going to need to come up with another thirty thousand dollars to pay down this mortgage 
in order to make this work. An investor is not just going to like hand over the keys and be like, well, I don't got it. Right. An investor will come up with the money. They'll find the money. They'll find a joint venture partner, a private lender, whatever they need to do in order to make it work for the short term. A home buyer, you know, when it comes time and, you know, at renewal time and suddenly, you know, they've been paying interest only payments for the last, you know, two and a half, three years and it comes time for renewal and, you know, they only put 5% down, remember, or they had a variable rate, you know, high ratio mortgage and, you know, their interest rate is going from 1.99 or 2.7 all the way up to six and their payments are five, $600 more. You know what I mean? Like, are, are we going to see a lot of defaults coming up or are we going to see a whole lot of people just like, just saying, I can't do this no more and like hand over the keys? Well, I think there's one thing we should discuss and that's what if someone can't make their payments? Um, it's recently been announced that the insurers, so there's three of them in Canada, will allow people in distress if they reach out proactively to extend to a 40-year amortization interesting so from a 25 bought a home to live in with less than 20 percent down wow they're gonna allow them to go from 25 year am all the way up to 40 yes not to qualify but to let's say you own a home you bought it six months ago your situation has changed they will allow you to recalculate your payments and you have to go to the bank that you're with and they actually have to document it they will allow you to go to a 40-year amortization but they will calculate your total debt servicing and your, your TDS and GDS, which are just ratios on the mortgage side. Mm -hmm. It has to be, they'll bring them down to 39%. So long story short, they're going to do a funky little calculation and give you either a 40-year amortization or 39% of these ratios, whichever hits first. Okay, gotcha. And that's that's a CMHC Genworth whatever um, thing where they're for for insured mortgages. Um, my assumption is is that the actual lender, the 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 lender that's actually lending the funds, they're going to be getting less interest today, though, right? They're going to be getting less of their money today because it's being amortized over a longer period. So, are is is the lender being compensated for the fact that they're not getting what they're owed? So here's where it gets interesting. That's for an insured mortgage. And the short right. answer is no, it's not financially good for the lenders. Okay. Um, if you have a non-insured mortgage, so you put 20% down, you didn't pay the insurance premium, the those programs don't apply and you're at the mercy of the lender. Now we've seen the big banks very eager to keep defaults down and to work with people. But people who have lenders, like the monoline lenders, like Merrick's, MCAP, um, they are less inclined to do this because they have smaller pools of liquidity. And if they have to pay out the interest to their investors, the people that bought the mortgages, these lenders aren't well positioned for it. Right. Hmm. So... <laughs> Keaton doesn't, and I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around all of this at uh, 6.33 a.m., <laughs> but doesn't the insurers offering, you know, if people are proactive to to go to 40-year AMS, isn't that just like, you know, we're increasing interest rates and there's inflation and all this stuff and we're trying to cool it down, but then doesn't that like just totally go against what is what they're trying to do? by turning around and saying, oh, don't, but don't worry, we'll extend you guys to 40-year AMS. Like, isn't that the opposite of what they're trying to do in the market? I, I think it's just like they're trying to, they're trying to help the people who are in the worst positions. What do you think, right. Eden? Yeah. Um, it, you, you can't purchase with a 40-year amortization. If, because they do the debt servicing calculation, if you bought yesterday, Odds are, unless your income changed drastically, you they wouldn't extend you. Right. This is mainly for people that bought when interest rates were lower and now that things have shifted very quickly. Um, so it's only a defensive measure. No one can use this to buy. This is simply to let people hang on by their fingernails and try to keep okay. the property for an extra two, three years. Ride it out. Ride it out. Everything will okay. be magically better in a year or two. And will it? <laughs> 
I don't know. I have to go have to ask my crystal ball after. <laughs> what 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 are your thoughts though as a, a mortgage expert? Like what are you hearing? What are you what are the whispers? Personally, I think that interest rates are going to go up maybe another half percent, not a whole lot more. And then I think we'll see them stabilize and begin to drop. But it's important to know that all of the interest rate conversation is tied to inflation, which is a global thing. Mm-hmm. And if we look at Japan, we see one of the only major countries in the world that has not increased interest rates. Their currency is devalued about 22%. So the reason I share this is a lot of people like to blame our lovely government, but this is a global thing. Mm-hmm. Every single major country in the world is dealing with this and is acting similarly. It's important to know that the decision-making to increase interest rates or not is a lot more than just our housing market. So while I expect rates to flatten out and then eventually drop, if, if sorry, I have dogs coming in the house. Oh, you got, <laughs> you got dogs too? <laughs> um, yours yours yes. sound a lot bigger than mine. <laughs> sorry, Wayne. I just muted myself for a second. Nothing like yeah. hundred pounds of puppies coming in the house. Um, but long story short, if <laughs> I apologize, everyone. Yeah, if I mean, this is this is our show. Keep going up. There's almost no ifs, ands, or buts about that. Unless the entire global community decides we're going to stop increasing rates to combat this. Right. Right. Uh, so for investors, just do the best you can, more or less? Personally, I I think it's important to note that you may pay, relatively speaking, slightly more expensive for a great property right now. But the difference is you can actually get that great property. We're seeing opportunities where someone has an investment that you would want to buy and they're struggling to sell it. Mm-hmm. And I think as an investor, like this is the best time, like, yeah, maybe it's not the cheapest it could have ever been, but you get to pick what you want. Yeah. I've been I've been talking a lot about that, about just, and I was going to get into that very shortly here with you about just, you know, what kind of opportunities are available. Because a lot of people are looking at this like, oh, it's not a good time. The interest rates, I got to wait for them to, at the very least, start going down a little bit. And nothing cash flows, Wayne, so why should I buy anything? But at the same time, um, at the same time, you know, People were complaining in April and March of you know 2022, saying that oh it's not a good time to buy because I, I don't want to overpay for anything because you know there's too many buyers and stuff like that. You have to understand that whenever these things, when there's chaos, there's there's opportunities, right? No, for sure. And I think one thing investors have to look at is different markets are behaving differently. Uh, Ontario and places like Abbotsford, Chilliwack are down over 20, 25 percent, up to 30 ish in some areas. Mm-hmm. Now. That's good news, arguably, there. Alberta kind of gets the short stick in the sense that values haven't really dropped, even though prices have gone up. Mm-hmm. But I think it's important to look at why has that happened. And we're a very inexpensive market in Alberta relative to the rest of Canada with a lot of jobs and economic growth. The reality is that as costs rise in other provinces, I think Alberta is going to be a bit of a lifeboat for a lot of families where yep. they're going to realize they have to give up and move somewhere else and well you're going to go to the maritimes you're going to go to alberta yeah it's uh, i i i mean this is not my area of expertise but i mean just these are all just opinions right um but yeah i, I feel like alberta is kind of in its own little bubble and and everywhere else is being affected and whereas alberta is not that much like prices haven't changed very much and yeah there's less buyers right now but what happens afterwards what happens like when interest rates start, start going down a little bit you know what i mean you start thinking about all the different markets across Canada. You start trying to predict what's going to happen once they say, you know, or once the news says, okay, we're done with raising rates 0.75 more this year or next year, that'll be all. And then we'll start stabilizing and start lowering slightly. See, as soon as you start hearing stuff like that, you know, the, you know, the, the buyers start thinking and like, okay, this is a good time to buy buyers start coming back into the market. What's going to happen to Alberta? Is it going to, you know, things are kind of good right now in Alberta. I mean, all things considered with the other headlines, right? 
so is it going to create some sort of a false boom or like a fake boom or is there going to be a ton of buyers and then what happens to the markets what happens to the other markets across canada that's what i'm trying to plan for around the curve right about like what's coming you know, is it a good time to flip? Is it a good time for rent to own? Is it a good time to be, you know, snagging up agreement for sale deals? Is it t- a good time to be buying rental properties? You know what I mean? No, I agree 100%. I guess I should clarify, uh, ease everybody. When I say Alberta, I mean the prairies in general. I don't yeah. just mean Alberta. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Awesome. Uh, any closing remarks on this? Any tips for anyone who's, you know, concerned about trigger points and for you know uh, sorry there was trigger points and what were the two you gave me it was one trigger for the market trigger rates trigger rates any any closing uh, tips or remarks on that uh for for anyone who's a little more concerned about it uh my best advice is if you're worried first thing you should do is email each lender you have a mortgage with and ask for their policy um because it is different from bank to bank and you also want to clarify not only what is their policy on the trigger rates and trigger points, but what they do at renewal. Mm-hmm. And then once you have that information, your situation would be talk to someone who's an expert in this stuff. And it's generally not the person who works at the bank. One of the things that I'm frustrated with is I've reached out to every major bank to get these policies and I'm still getting mixed messages. So that's why really? I suggest you ask for it in writing to kind of the head office level of each lender. Well, like we mentioned earlier, this isn't probably something that's like, you know, that's been on the meeting minutes over the last 20 years. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's probably in there somewhere or an old version of the mortgage documents or policies, but it's not something anyone's, they probably have to dust it off the old file folder in order to find it. Um, I'm exaggerating, but go to be honest. It sounds funny, or, but I'm not kidding. They're amending yeah. their policies and oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, <laughs> right? 100%. Yeah, it's it, uh, anyways. Um, thank you so much for coming on, man, and 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 helping us out with this. And um, guys, if you guys have any more questions for Keaton, or if you guys are looking for, you know, investment property mortgages or even home mortgages, I'm assuming you do it well. But you're mostly you're you're an investment uh, investor focused expert. Um, you know, reach out to Keaton Kirkwood. He's, he's fantastic and a uh, very knowledgeable guy, very easy to get along with. Um, and yeah, just want to thank you again. Or actually, how do they reach out to you? Google, right? Facebook, uh, Instagram, Facebook's that kind of stuff. the easiest way, Keaton Kirkwood. But otherwise, yeah. my uh, email is keaton at kbmortgages.ca or www.kbmortgages.ca. Right on, buddy. Appreciate it so much for coming on in the, uh, early in the show. And, and uh, thanks for uh, being so... Um, I don't know, quick, quick to act when it came to fixing all the audio stuff. I will get a pair of headphones, which I do not own. And then I will have this solved. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, buddy. All right. Enjoy the rest of your week. Thanks again. Okay. And it, it appears that I'm finishing the show by myself because, uh, um, the true hosts of today's show are the four dogs, Keaton's and uh, and mine. Um, just kind of scrolling back into the comments here, just kind of see what's what's been going on while we've been having this discussion. Um, Kyle had mentioned that Saskatchewan is comparable when we were talking about the prairies. I guess um, Kyle says Saskatchewan is comparable to Alberta, um, two pretty safe provinces. Yeah, I I agree. Um, Saskatchewan's one of those provinces that I've actually been um, kind of interested in looking into, um, just because I've never I've never done it, and I've I've always said that I've I kind of got lucky that I moved to Edmonton and I started looking at real estate, and I realized that I moved to a city that was really great and really safe and not a whole lot of risk, a good stable market, and good cash flow. So you know I've just never really looked any further. I mean, why why bother when you've got something good? Um, you know, why go complicate things investing in other provinces that, you know, you when you got a perfectly good thing right here. But with that being said, you know, as I continue to grow my portfolio in businesses, it's always good to kind of look into other markets that are similar. I don't I don't want to change my whole investment portfolio strategy or business strategy. So if, you know, Saskatchewan is comparable, more or less, with cash flow, with prices, with um 
risk. Um, I'm definitely, that's something I'm planning on doing. Maybe I'll make a trip out to one of those Saskatoon or Regina meetups. There's not a whole lot of investors in the in Saskatchewan market. And, and like Kyle, prove me wrong. I mean, I, I, I saw, you know, Kyle met up with a bunch of, uh, um, I did, did a little investor meetup in, I think it was Saskatoon there last week. And I'm, I think I pretty much saw all 10 of the investors in, Sask- in Saskatoon in that picture that you were in. Um, <laughs> uh, but it's funny. I, um, a funny story. I was in Calgary this uh, past weekend for, um, I was checking in on uh, my fix and flip in Calgary. And so I drove up after the show on Friday and then, uh, met with our contractors, you know, um, walked through the property. It's supposed to be done tomorrow. And, uh, then kind of finished up and it was like, I don't know, it was like three thirty, four o'clock and I'm, I don't know. I mean, I should have driven home, but then I kind of like, I expected to be there a little bit longer and then I wasn't. And I had already made plans for like, uh, breakfast the next morning, meeting up with some of the masters. And so I'm like, I guess I got to stay now. Like, um, can't just drive home. So anyways, I went down, uh, sat at a bar and had a beer and, and dinner. Um, or like a late lunch and, uh, a guy comes sit up, sits next beside me and, um, instantly we recognize each other and just from the investor community. And he's, uh, he's an investor from uh, Regina, ironically. So maybe the, the, the one extra <laughs> Saskatchewan investor that wasn't at your meetup last week, but it turns out he, uh, he, he, he just, he's selling all of his properties in Regina and he's moving to Calgary and he literally just kind of landed in Calgary and he was there to have a drink and basically spend the night in Calgary, get the full experience. He got an Airbnb, you know, just wanted to see the whole belt line or whatever it's heck it's called and just get the full Calgary experience. And I guess he's just, yeah, he's moving there and he's, he's moving all of his investments to Calgary. And um, he goes and sits down at a bar to get the full experience and then literally sat right next to me at the bar. And uh, it's just so weird because like I never, ever, ever go to a bar. I never sit at the bar. I've never been to a restaurant by myself. And exactly the same. He was, he's like, dude, I never come to a bar by myself ever. And we just happened to sit beside each other. So we ended up chatting it up for about an hour and uh, it was pretty cool. It was, uh, it was interesting. I thought that was pretty funny that we were talking about Saskatchewan and, uh, and uh, ended up meeting him. Um Kyle says there are quite a few investors. They just aren't as vocal for some reason. <laughs> it, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, I, I think Saskatchewan's a little in, interesting. Well, I mean, like, obviously there's, um, there was some pretty big investors that they kind of, um, flopped this year, um, you know, in the Saskatoon area. But, uh, I feel like there are some opportunities in those two, um, cities. I just need to get to know them a little bit better. Um, I've had a few people that reached out to me for coaching calls just in the last two years, um, either interested in that area or from that area. And I don't really have a whole heck of a lot to, to offer in regards to, you know, local knowledge. So I feel like I'm just going to probably take a trip out there for like a weekend or a couple of weekdays and just spend a day with a realtor or a local investor and just get the get an understanding of what's going on there and what's possible and what areas are good and what areas are bad. Let's see if there's any opportunities there. What else we got going on today? Kyle says, come on down. I'll give you a personal tour. Awesome. That'd be great. Anything good to do in Saskatoon? Uh, Don in the comments says Edmonton is unique in the amount of meetups and networking amongst the investors. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, Edmonton's always been a really good um, market for networking. Um, I mean, when you think back to like rain days where there were the only meetups that were really on were like rain was coming into town that month and that's where they, all the investors met up. But since then, since they went online and then the pandemic and the blip, after the blip, like Gabby and I decided to start holding, you know, meetups. And it just seems like everybody and their dog is holding a meetup now in Edmonton and Calgary. Just like, you know, I come on down to my, 
you know, my house. <laughs> we're doing a meetup. And I, I think it's just getting a little saturated now. That's why, like, Gabby and I were looking at doing a meetup in December. But I'm like, eh, everybody else is doing a meetup. Like, so we don't really need to anymore. Um, but, yeah, there's no shortage of meetups in Edmonton. It seems like every weekend there's an opportunity to go to and meet 20 other investors, which is which is pretty cool, which is uh, is pretty neat, you know, considering um, – you know, it doesn't. You don't need necessarily need to 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 wait for a large group or, you know, and a, a a seminar or something like that to network. There's there's no shortage of networking these days, um, in Edmonton. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Sheila keeps saying, "What is the blip?" <laughs> um, <laughs> she, <laughs> it's uh, it's it's uh. It's like a Marvel Avengers joke. <laughs> okay. Um, so I'm going to see uh, jokes are always funnier when you explain them, when you have to explain them. They're always way funnier. Um, uh, there, there, there was a, there's a movie, one of the movies uh, uh, called the Avengers. And uh, there was this dude, this big purple dude. And uh, he had this gauntlet with some stones on it. And uh, he snapped his fingers and basically his whole intent was to, uh, to uh, basically um, vaporize half of the population of the universe um, because we were growing too much. And uh, um, if we continued on that path, you know, there wouldn't be enough resources and food and stuff and famine. And, you know, it, it turned into this big thing. So he was this guy, he was this bad guy who was going to um, snap his fingers and make half the population of the universe go away. And so half the population of the universe, you know, I'm talking about two movies now. One movie, they went away. The next movie, um, they they found a way to make everybody come back. But they came back five years later. So five years went by and then they found a way to bring everybody back. So for five years, half the population was missing. Um, I kind of compare uh, the pandemic, <laughs> COVID pandemic to that. Um, because it just seems like during those two years, I don't know, it's just almost like nothing happened for two years. And sometimes I'll feel like, oh, yeah, that happened two years ago. But Gabby would be like, Wayne, that was four years ago. I'm like, oh, right, the blip. Because it just it just seems like, I don't know, those two years during the pandemic just kind of like flew past and nothing happened. So when I think back to like, you know, something that was two years ago, it was actually four years ago. So I feel like I was kind of in the blip. I was it seems like Thanos kind of snapped and I've disappeared for two years. Um, that's the joke. <laughs> I just wasn't sure if anybody got it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's that. I, I keep joking about the, and it keeps coming up constantly. And Gabby would be like, when's the last time you went to the doctor for something like that? Or when's like, you know, when was your last dentist? I'm like, I don't know. It was like six months ago. And she's like, oh, wait, and it was like two and a half years ago. I'm like, Oh, the blip. <laughs> so I'm exaggerating, but. It just seems to be keep coming up every now and then. Okay, well, uh, to be completely honest, without a co-host and without questions, um, I am rambling. I'm rambling. If I, I, last chance, anyone got any questions for today? Otherwise, I'm going to call it short. Matt, I don't think that's supposed to be your favorite Marvel character. <laughs> Matt, Matt says he's my favorite Marvel character. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> uh, you know, we do have one. Uh, this seems like a a pretty long question, but I'd like to I'd like to tackle it tomorrow. Um, oh, Scotty has a question as well. All right, I see. Um, okay. I can do Scotty's. Um, also, I've got Kyle's. Kyle, I didn't forget about your question about like talking to your parents about private lending. It's just it's it's one of those ones that I, I feel like it would take a half an hour, and it's also one of those ones that really kind of revolves around building reputation, building trust, building your brand as the type of person that someone would you know lend money to. Um, so it's like one of those. I feel like as soon as I open up that can of worms, I'm gonna get down a rabbit hole on social media. Um, so like, I'm just saving it, but I'd like to save it for tomorrow. It's right at the top of my list. So I didn't forget about a call. Um, okay. So how do you research a neighborhood to know if it's good to invest in? 
well, obviously, if you've gotten down to a neighborhood, then you've obviously done your pre-checks for, you know, uh, a province, a city, right? So you started off trying to figure out, you know, where should I be putting this money or where should I be putting my, you know, joint venture partners money? And um, my assumption is we're talking about rental properties. And just say yes or no as soon as you can. Um, as we're talking about rental properties, you know, you, you started off at the province or at least a side of the city. Uh, you can't say rentals or flips. It's a completely different answer. I'll do rentals. Um, you've already established, okay, this is the province I want to invest in. And then you narrowed it down to three or four cities. And then, you know, you narrowed it down to, you know, one city. And now you're trying to figure out, okay, which neighborhood should I be going into? Um, I feel like province and city kind of, that relates more so to the fundamentals of uh, the numbers. You know, what type of investment do I want to have? Am I focusing on appreciation? Am I focusing on cash flow? Am I focusing on, you know, uh, 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 am I investing in a rising market that has a lot of potential? Or am I investing in a market that has stability and is boring? You know, I feel like province and city kind of apply to that. Once you've established, you know, the province and city, and now you're looking into neighborhoods, I feel like that kind of, now you're, now you're looking into like, who's your tenant, right? What's the tenant profile? Who am I renting this to? Because you can, you could have a rental property in any neighborhood in any city, but I think before that, you also kind of have to think about like what time, what type of property type am I looking for, right? Are you investing in townhouses? Are you investing in apartment units? Are you investing in a multifamily building? Are you investing in rent to own? Are you investing in um, single families? That I believe would be more important before you get down to a neighborhood, because if you because remember, when we're talking about province, city, we're thinking about the numbers. And I think before you can even get to a neighborhood, you have to th and stay on the topic of numbers and like what kind of return am I expecting to get? Um, I think you need to be looking at property first. What type of investment property? Um, so if you decide, hey, I'll use easy example, Alberta, Edmonton. I like Alberta because of the oil. I like Alberta because all the jobs being created. I like that it's insulated from the rest. I like that it's still low affordable, you know, prices. I like that it's got cash flow because the rents are good compared to those prices. Edmonton or Calgary. Okay. Edmonton's cheaper and the rents, you know, about the same. So I like Edmonton a little bit better because it has a little more cash flow than Calgary and it's a more affordable price point to get involved in. Okay, cool. Edmonton. Now, what type of property do you want to do in Edmonton? Well, there's townhouses, apartment units, multifamilies. Um, you know, I could do like a rent-to-own business, but the market's not really good for market rent-to-owns right now. I can do single-family homes. I can do suited houses. Okay, cool. Um, based on the numbers, I've done my research and I've determined that um, buying a suited house in and around four hundred and twenty to four hundred fifty thousand dollars is the best on paper for numbers. Now you made that decision. Now, what neighborhoods should I be buying this suited house in or this, this house or the basement suite? Well, I mean, the first question you're going to ask yourself is like, where are these opportunities? Where can I get a suited house that kind of fits that price point, right? And if you go 100% just based off price point, you know, you're going to find some really cheap solutions or some cheap options in some like lesser desirable areas, right? Um. So that's kind of the first part about it. And then you also have to think about, okay, well, who do I want to rent to? Who is my target tenant? If you think about, I have a main floor suite and I have a basement suite. Realistically, who am I going to be renting it to? And if you say doctors, well, you're, go get some medication. Because like it's, <laughs> it's, 
someone who's making over $200,000 a year is not going to be renting a main floor suite with a basement tenant or living in a basement with someone above them stomping and, you know, kids screaming and dogs barking and stuff like that. No, it's just not going to happen. So you have to think realistically based on that, the affordability of a unit like that. And in comparison to other units and other investment and other rental property types available in the area, what, what, who realistically is going to be renting your unit, basement and main floor unit, right? What's their affordability? And if you'd establish, okay, someone who rents my main floor is probably a young family or a young couple and a transitionary point in their life where they're, you know, they're getting their certifications for their work or, you know, it's a, it's a mom that's recently split up from the husband um, who's got three kids, but still, you know, can't quite afford a full house on her own. However, needs a yard for the kids and the dog, um, can't live in an apartment unit. You know what I mean? Like try to think about like, who, who's, who's this person that's going to be renting? Um, for the basement, it's normally a single student or a single person who works out of town, but just wants something affordable. Um, they hate the smell of apartment, you know, buildings so that they're tired of that stuff and they're tired of the big property management companies. So they want a private landlord, so, but they also want someone who's just going to leave them alone. You know, they want to be able to come home from one week out of the uh, the month when they're on days off just to go sit and play video games. Maybe that's your tenant for the basement. You have to think about these types of things. Who am I renting to? Because once you establish it and you draw a picture and you write it down who exactly it is that you're looking for, then you need to determine where are these people? Are they smack dab right in the middle of the core of downtown? Probably not. Where are these types of properties? Where are these speeded houses? Where are they being built? They're not in new neighborhoods. Not much. There's not a whole lot of these houses being two stories being built with, you know, basement suites. A lot of these um, suited houses in Edmonton are in mature neighborhoods with bungalows, right? Where they have the side separate entrance that was built in 1960, 1970, 1981, right? Where are these houses? And then narrow down a few neighborhoods to determine, okay, cool. These are my, these are my neighborhoods. In this neighborhood, it's $480,000. In this neighborhood, it's three hundred thirty. dollars but you're guaranteed to get shot in the morning on the way to your car. Um, this neighborhood over here is three ninety, dollars but like, yeah, there's not a whole lot going on. There's not a whole lot of transportation, transit in that area. And then you, you find that sweet one that's $420,000. It's new. It's renovated. And it's in a great area. It's got good walking score you know, good walk score for like a mall nearby or, you know, a grocery store or something like that. And you narrow it down like that. And it's got good transit. It's got, you know, a, a mall nearby. It's got this, it's got this, it's got this. And all the things that my target tenant or my tenant, you know, the person that I'm trying to find to rent to, that's everything that they need there. Right. And it's also in a decent neighborhood that has the potential for, you know, growth in the future. Values are projected to go up because they're going to be building a new train that's going to be have it stop nearby, right? That's 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 essentially, I mean, how you would determine a neighborhood. I mean, I'm kind of I'm breaking it down in extreme detail here, but do most people do that much? No, probably not. Most people just wait until their realtor says, "Ooh, I've got a deal, and this is really good," and they're like, "It's really good," and the realtor says, "It's really good," <laughs> and then they buy it because they don't know any different. But if you're trying to be intentional and you're trying to, um, you know, make a good decision and you've done your research and you've done your research on the province and the, the city and now you want to do the neighborhood and you want to make sure you get all this perfect, I mean, that's how I would do it. I just gave you one example. I mean, you could if fill in the blank for any one of those other different property investment types. If, if you're looking for multifamilies, you know, break it down the exact same way. Who's going to be renting? Who do I, who do I want to rent to? Where does it make sense financially, right? This multifamily building does not cash flow at all. It's overpriced. However, it's in a really great area. You know, does it still make sense? You have to go through the, fun, the, the financials first, figure out who you're going to be renting to specifically, and then uh, try and find an area, a deal that works in an area that makes sense for the type of people that you want to rent to. I mean, lastly, if you want to add one more thing in there, I would say potentially just to make sure that, 
you know, there's there's some up potential upside as well. I talked about that very recently a second ago, but like a new train is going to stop is going to be, you know, coming in there. Um, a new leg of, you know, the LRT or something like that, or um, they're building, a, I don't know, some extension to the highway that's going to make it easier for people to access the main ring road or the main highway so that people can get downtown faster. You know what I mean? That will increase values because people will probably start moving into that area um, so they don't have to live right in the core of downtown. They could live off over here, but still have easy access, right? You know, and they were talking about in Ontario, you know, uh, extending the train. I can't remember what the train's called. Um, so that, you know, less people had to live in Toronto directly. More people can like live along the train in the towns along the train. So you can quickly and easily get down to Toronto within 30 minutes, 45 minutes, right? So that increases value in those areas. Yes, I am going into overtime and I probably should end it. I I, I tried to tried to um, uh, be as as concise as possible, but also add as much value. Uh, Matt says, do you know how hard it is to wait 36 seconds to smash the like button? (laughs) That's good, buddy. Um, Hey, and just a reminder to everybody, because I forgot to mention it earlier. um, November 30th, this Wednesday is the last day to get all your heart smashes in there and, and likes and stuff like that. Um, because on Thursday, November, sorry, December 1st, we're going to be doing the draw for the top fan of the month as it stands right now. Let's see where we're at this month. Ooh, Kyle is like, has a demanding lead. Like no one's even close to Kyle. Interesting. Um, what we do, I'll just repeat it very quickly and then we'll end the show. What we do is, um, well, every time you engage with the show and the live show on the Podbean app, you click the like, you share the show, you call in, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it increases your engagement, which, and they, and they measure that by hearts. So if you look on your app on the right side, you'll see uh, how many hearts you have and how many hearts everyone else has. Uh, what we do at the end of the month is we determine who has the most hearts, the top five people who have the most hearts. And then we give everybody ballots. So first place gets five ballots. Second place gets four ballots. Third place gets three ballots. Fourth place gets two ballots. And fifth place gets one ballot. Put the names all into a a coffee mug and we pull a name out. And the winner gets two free one-on-one coaching calls with myself. Those coaching calls go for $250 an hour. So it's a $500 prize. All you got to do is just show up every morning and have fun. Ask lots of questions and, and learn. And uh, we'll reward you for that. So we are coming up in the end of the month, two more days, and then uh, we'll be doing that draw on, sorry, three more days. We'll be doing that draw on Thursday. So uh, keep coming in live. If you're not joining in live, definitely hop on. It's a lot of fun. Um, I don't read half the comments that come up here. Um, there's just, it's almost like its own little networking event here as, as we're doing the show. So um, it's a lot of fun. It's great. And uh, yeah. Okay. I think that wraps it up. Today is m- Monday. Today's Monday, tomorrow's Tuesday. We'll see you guys then. Thanks for listening to the Real Estate Investing Morning Show. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Interested in being a guest on the show? Send us an email to info at reimorningshow.com. 